Not only should Walters be your spot before and after every Nats game, but also Walters is an avenue for cheaper Nats tickets. When buying tickets to Nationals Park through the rest of the season, enter promo code WALTERS for 30% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next pitch. Swing a blast to left field. Way back it goes. And it's long, long gone. Phillies lead 2-1, to Trey Turner's 12th homer, a no-doubter on the 1-0 pitch from Machado. He does not run the pitch, hit in the air, deep right center field. Way back goes this one, and it is going, going and gone. 6-1 Phillies. They have three two-run homers in the last two innings. And welcome to Nat Sad for Friday, August 11th. 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Michael Lorenzen, move over, please. The most unique outing by a starting pitcher in this four-game series for the Nationals at the Philadelphia Phillies this week belonged not to Michael Lorenzen, but to Patrick Corbin. Okay, the Nats on Thursday evening did lose. A 6-2 loss to lose three of the four games in the series. And okay, Corbin on Thursday evening did not throw a no-hitter. But dare I say that we saw something special, or at least different, from Patrick Corbin. He, in this game on Thursday evening, allowed one run unearned in five innings. He gave up just one hit, which was a double. But he issued a whopping seven walks. Seven walks in five innings, and yet he somehow did not allow an earned run. He also had just two strikeouts. He had a strikes-to-balls ratio of 44-43. to And, oh, by the way, the unearned run charged to him came via an error by him. Mark, I'm not sure if we should praise Corbin or criticize Corbin for what he did on Thursday evening, but that definitely was something different, what we saw from him on Thursday evening. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what to make of it, except that it was really weird. And not just for Patrick Corbin, but honestly, weird for anybody. So, you know, I saw the stat line. I'm like, I got to look this one up. When's the last time somebody did that? And the answer is 1978 is the last time that a major league pitcher had no earned runs, one hit, seven walks, and fewer than three strikeouts. And it was the immortal Silvio Martinez of the St. Louis Cardinals on July 8th, 1978. I mean, that was such a weird start. It was going to be zero runs overall until the air, which not only was on Corbin, but it was him dropping a perfect throw as he went to cover first base on a really nice play by Dom Smith. 
This was such a bizarre outing. And think about Corbin's struggles over the last few years. It's not because of walks. It's because he gets hit hard. So the fact that he would get into trouble, although he didn't give up anything in the end, but because he couldn't command and that when he threw the ball in the strike zone, the Phillies were not hitting him hard. It was just so odd and so out of character and just, I don't know, I was left at the end of that thinking to myself, that's one of the weirder starts I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that was a really good play by Dominic Smith, bottom of the six. Stock back in the box, here comes the 1-2 from the left. Swinging a bouncing ball to first, deep at first, it's gloved by Smith, outfield grass, fall away throw, and Corbin missed the ball! Oh my, he took his eye off it to find the base, Smith made a perfect throw, and Corbin missed it! You know, I remember back in the day when the Atlanta Braves were rolling in the 90s and you had Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz back when Smoltz was a starter. And there was this thing of like, these guys were so good and so competitive, it became a game of anything you can do, I can do better. A theme this Nat season with these starters has been, boy, they put a lot of guys on base, but at least in the cases of Josiah Gray, McKenzie Gore, they don't allow runs. Well, here you had Corbin outdoing Gray and Gore at their own games, taking it up to a new level. Seven walks in five innings, zero earned runs. There's something special about that. I got to tell you with Corbin, okay, he's not having a good season. This is a fourth consecutive bad season, okay? But he does give you variety. I mean, sometimes he's actually quite good. Sometimes he's hideous. This time, we don't know what to make of the guy. Like, there is a variety to what you get from Patrick Corbin. If nothing else, I will salute him for his versatility. He keeps it fresh. I guess we'll give him that. Not much else but that. I mean, you mentioned the strike to ball count. Most of the night, it was more balls than strikes. He only in that last inning finally got over 50%. So again, just like how against that lineup, how was it he was doing it? He loaded the bases in the third inning with nobody out and got out of it somehow. He had a couple on in the second and gets a big strikeout. He, I'm just looking at all these walks in my scorecard here. It's ridiculous. The Phillies for the game went 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position and won. They still scored six runs. Why? Because they hit three two-run homers off the invincible Nats bullpen, which wasn't so invincible, finally, as I'm sure we're going to get to. This was just top to bottom, a really weird game. We haven't even gotten to the Nats lineup, and I've got some good stuff on that too, which made it such a bizarre game for them. Well, the Philly starting pitcher had a weird outing himself. Aaron Nola, one run in five innings, six strikeouts versus one walk, 105 pitches. I mean, this game was trending toward taking about seven hours with the pace of the game early on. And, you know, look, we obviously have the pitch clock system, but the pitch clock system cannot account for guys throwing a million pitches. And that's what you had in the early goings anyway with Corbin and Nolo. So, yeah, very strange. But the Nats, yes, do end up losing in this game 6-2. And, yes, the uh, carriage may have turned back into a pumpkin for this Nats bullpen. Look, it was one bad game, okay? And actually, within this game, there was a very impressive instance, but things did not go well for the Nats bullpen on Thursday evening. Three Nats relievers combined to allow five runs in three innings. Andres Machado, he had been rolling. He was perhaps due for a uh, market correction, and we got that in this game. He had a rough time in a Phillies two-run six. He officially allowed a run in a third of an inning. He faced four batters, but got just one out. He came into the game, bottom of the six, runner on first, no outs, Nats nursing a one nothing lead, and he on the second pitch that he threw, gave up a two-run homer by ex-Nat Trey Turner, who all of a sudden isn't struggling anymore. This homer to left field for a 2-1 Phillies lead. 
Joe LaSorsa was next. He allowed four runs in one and two-thirds innings, but he initially did a great job. Bottom of the six comes into the game. Runners on first and second, one out. Nats now down 2-1 off the Turner homer. And LaSorsa on just five pitches retired the Phillies' numbers one and two batters. Kyle Schwarber via strikeout. Alec Bohm via lineout. But then LaSorsa in what ended up being a four-run seventh for the Phillies was a mess. Lead-off walk of Rodolfo Castro. LaSorsa then gave up a two-run homer by Nick Castellanos to left field for a 4-1 Phillies lead to conclude a nine-pitch plate appearance in which Castellanos had been down at 1.02. LaSorsa then issued a first pitch hit-by-pitch of Bryson Stott. And then LaSorsa gave up another homer, a one-out two-run opposite field homer by JT Realmuto to right center field for a 6-1 Phillies lead. And then LaSorsa gave up a two-out double by Johan Rojas to left field on a 1-2 pitch. So LaSorsa initially did a great job, then did hideous job. The reliever who was good for the Nats on Thursday evening was Jose A. Ferrer, a perfect bottom of the eighth inning. But uh, yeah, I guess we probably were due one of these nights from the Nats bullpen. Yeah, I can't say I'm terribly surprised by it and that it would include the home run, which we know the Phillies, when they face the Nationals in that ballpark, just forget about it. They're going to do that kind of thing. So it was unfortunate, but maybe not all that surprising. You saw Machado, you know, he was so good there for the last week at getting fastball sinkers in on guys' hands and jamming them. And in this case, he just left it right out over the plate for Trey Turner. And we know what Trey can do with a pitch like that. And LaSorsa, you know, he's a high energy guy. He gets out of that jam in the sixth and you got to ask him to come back for the seventh because you need some more volume here from him. You can't go to another reliever yet. But I wonder if the edge kind of wore off when he had to go back out there. And oh, by the way, had to face the heart of the Phillies lineup as well. Not a good night for them and really turned what was shaping up to be a very low scoring, tight, very winnable game. Instead, kind of turned into a pseudo blowout by the end. It did. And as that seventh inning went on and LaSorsa was staying out there, you did very much get the feeling of Davey Martinez was making Joe LaSorsa wear this because Davey didn't want to yank LaSorsa. I mean, we have seen Davey pull guys quickly at times this season. We have seen him be aggressive with going from one reliever to the next to the next. You didn't get that in this game. It was kind of like, Joe, this is your deal. You go ahead and you work through this and, you know, things did not go well. It just is amazing, like the juxtaposition of how well he did in the sixth versus the extent to which he unraveled in that seven. Now, I don't know the exact answer to this, if this is true or not, but it does occur to me. Six-man rotation means seven-man bullpen. That's one less guy you can turn to when somebody gets into trouble. And you're not going to go to Weems or Finnegan once you're already trailing like that. They've been worked a lot. We saw Corey Abico multiple innings the night before. So maybe there really wasn't anybody else. And this is the kind of scenario that could come up again as they attempt to go with a six-man rotation for the time being. I'm really curious to see the ramifications of all this. It sounds great on paper, but in practice, it requires starters to go deep and it requires relievers to be efficient enough and sometimes give you multiple innings. Well, here was something else that was quirky about this 6-2 Nats loss at the Phillies on Thursday evening. The Nats actually outhit the Phillies 10-6 and yet lost 6-2. Why? Well, we already mentioned one of the reasons, the home run. The Nats on Thursday evening, zero homers. The Phillies on Thursday evening, three homers. But you also had a massive discrepancy in terms of walks. Patrick Corbin (laughs) had something to do with that. But the Nats in this game, one walk, the Phillies, nine walks. 
And then you had this bizarro deal with runners in scoring position. As Mark mentioned, the Phillies went 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position and yet won the game. But the Nats in this game, 2 for 15 with runners in scoring position. For all that went wrong for the Nats in this game, they had ample opportunity to do a lot more damage than the team ended up doing. And it's not just the two for 15, Al. It's two for 15 with nine strikeouts. That's not Nationals like in 2023. There's one thing you can say about them is that they put the ball in play. And there were a number of cases in this game where with a guy on third or second and third, you just put the bat on the ball. There's a good chance you're going to score the run. And they could not do that in this game. That to me really stood out above all else. I'm going to go through them here. I've got Dom Smith striking out in the first runners in scoring position. I've got Lane Thomas striking out runners in scoring position in the third. I've got Blake Rutherford, who is still hitless in the big leagues, by the way, striking out runners in scoring position in the fourth. I've got Jake Alou and Stone Garrett, who was pinch hitting for Rutherford, doing it in the sixth. I've then got both those guys plus Dom Smith, all three of them doing it in the eighth. And then the final out of the game, Joey Manessa striking out with a runner on second. That's not going to get the job done. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you're facing. I don't care what kind of power you have in your lineup. You strike out nine times with runners in scoring position, you're not winning ball games. And I don't know if this is a one-off. This is not who they've been all year long. But that really stood out to me that they couldn't even get the bat on the ball when a fly ball or even a ground ball may have been enough to score a run. They couldn't even do that. It was tough. I mean, the Nats in this game, 13 strikeouts. They also had three errors. There was a sloppiness to this game in a lot of ways. You know, the Nats, they look like a bad team in this game. So often lately, they have not looked like the last place team that they have been for so much of this season. This game, they did kind of feel that way. You know, it just was not a good look. The optics were not ideal for the Nats in this game on Thursday evening. Of course, off the optics, not exactly being stellar on Wednesday evening with the Nats getting no hit. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, the heat, the humidity, the sky-high temperatures, uh, they all are here. And all of this is forcing your air conditioning into overdrive, leading to ultra-high energy bills. The solution, new windows from the folks at Window Nation. And Window Nation right now is offering a sensational deal to listeners of the Nat Chat podcast. Right now, no money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, no money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. Know this about Window Nation. It has installed nearly 2 million windows with a 96% perfection rating. Window Nation is elite. Window Nation is the equivalent of peak Max Scherzer for the Nats. No money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Hey, Nats Chat listeners, if you want to see Dylan Cruz play in the minors, you probably will be able to get a ticket no problem. But there are plenty of other events where it isn't so simple. And when that happens, make sure to check out the Game Time app. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. 
Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about Factor. We on the NatChat podcast talk all the time about who is and will be a factor for the Nats. Well, the factor that I want to tell you about is as good as any top-notch prospect. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up, too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor is fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all that you have to do is heat up and enjoy. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. Again, ready in just two minutes. Go to factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use the promo code NatsChat50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that code NatsChat50 to get 50% off. Before we get back to Mark and Al, quick update from Thursday night in Lynchburg, Virginia. Dylan Cruz went two for five with a double while hitting second. Three strikeouts for him on the evening. The Fred Nats lost to the Lynchburg Hillcats 12 to six. And now back to the show. CJ runs. The pitch is a strike. Real Muto's throwing one hop. The tag for Stott is not in time. And that's 25 in a row. A new Nationals record for CJ Abrams. He swipes 28th base of the season overall as he beat Real Muto's one hop throw with a head first dive into second. You mentioned Blake Rutherford. Look, Nats are rebuilding. I'm all for playing young players down the stretch, but it has been a rough watch. Five games, he's 0 for 16. Hasn't drawn a walk. We are seeing now when he starts, he does not finish. He gets pinch hit for, he gets taken out of the game. I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to keep playing the guy, right? You're not going to just like demote him. But boy, I mean, you need to see something. You're not just going to keep playing him with him doing nothing. And he literally has done nothing so far, albeit in a small sample size. Yeah, look, it would be one thing if you said, oh, he's hitting the ball hard. He's had some bad luck or, oh, some good quality at bats. He's fighting it off and getting the 3-2 and working along at bat, but I really haven't seen any of that so far from him. Now, the track record, he hit very well in the minors, so you've got to believe it's in there somewhere. I'm sure it's on his mind, and as that over keeps going, you just add more pressure on yourself to try to get the job done, and that's the last thing you want to do. I don't know what the answer is. I, I do think you put him out there a little bit more, Maybe it's not a guarantee that he starts against every righty. Maybe a weekend against the Oakland A's pitching staff could be just what the doctor ordered for him, but it has not been pretty so far. And I don't know how far you take it. I mean, you're not there yet, but it's not an unlimited, you know, number of opportunities. You go over with, like you said, no walks and really not even quality at bats here. That's a problem. And I don't think you can just ride that forever. And it's telling, it feels like every time now that he starts, he doesn't finish. Like he gets pinch hit for and he's out of the game. It's almost like Davey Martinez already is like, okay, enough with you. We got to go to somebody else. I mean, it's a weird deal with Rutherford because this is his age 26 season. It's not like this is some guy in his early 20s. He at one time was a highly regarded prospect. He was the number 18 overall pick 
in the 2016 draft was taken by the Yankees. And that's signed him this past January 28th to a minor league contract as a free agent. Did hit in the minors this season, 978 OPS over 261 plate appearances for AA Harrisburg and AAA Rochester. But so far, again, small sample size things not going so well. The biggest offensive force for the Nats in this game on Thursday evening was Ildemaro Vargas, who continues to uh, play and start at third base game in, game out these days. But you know what? He's doing a pretty good job here. And he on Thursday evening as a number six batter, two for four with two RBI doubles. He and the Nats, one run six, had a one out RBI double to left field for a one nothing Nats lead. He and the Nats, one run eighth, had a one out first pitch RBI double down the right field line to cut the Nats deficit to 6-2. We also had history being made in this game. C.J. Abrams, he is the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter, two for five with a double and a single, and he had a stolen base. Top of the third, a one-out single up the middle on an 0-2 pitch and a steal of second base. That's now 25 consecutive steals without being caught. That is a new record in terms of the Nats franchise since it came to D.C. Most consecutive steals without being caught. Now, yes, bigger bases, okay, but still, that is impressive. That is representative of, you know, the nature of Abrams in this number one spot, you know, being an igniter, getting on base. And uh, that is something to be proud of, 25 consecutive steals without being thrown out. And look, you can't steal second unless you reach first. So it begins with that. He is getting on base at a nice clip, and then he's taking full advantage of it. And that's what you want, a guy like that at the top of your lineup who has that kind of speed. And, you know, he's not running wild. He is running smartly. And there have been a couple of close ones along the way, but not even that many. Most of them, he has just really swiped the base off the pitcher and not even given the catcher a chance to get him out. You know, it's funny for the struggles we've seen the last few days from the Nats lineup. I feel like Abrams is doing well. Thomas is doing pretty well. Manessis is doing really well. Cabert Ruiz is really putting together some quality at bats here of late. Vargas, you mentioned, like, why is it they're not scoring more runs or the other night had no hits? It is a little odd. It's like individually, there's a lot of good stuff going on, but collectively it's not working. Now, maybe that's a reflection of the bottom half of the lineup and who they're playing right now on a regular basis. And these are not guys that we're used to and guys who maybe have the track record to be playing up here as much as they are right now. Yeah, K-Bet Ruiz is doing better. He got on base three times in this game. He was a cleanup batter as a starting catcher. He went two for three with two singles and a walk, the lone walk with an ads in this game. And Joey Manessis was another Nat who had a multi-hit game. He had four Nats who each had two hits in this game on Thursday evening. Manessis as a starting DH had number three batter, two for five with two leadoff singles. Going back to the home runs, so three for the Phillies on Thursday evening, none for the Nats. You know, it's interesting, the Phillies are only tied for 16th in the majors and homers for this season. I would have thought the ranking would have been higher. It's 134. The Nats are 29th out of 30 major league teams in home runs with 104. So it's only a difference of 30. But I put only in quotation marks because You know, you do think about this, like even a difference of 30 home runs spread out over the course of a season, what that can mean. And I do keep coming back to this. If next season you have Dylan Cruz up here and or James Wood 
and or Brady House and or who knows who else. You know, maybe we are seeing more actual power in terms of home runs from a C.J. Abrams. Maybe Kbert Ruiz finally starts to develop that home run stroke. But whatever this Nats home run total for this season ends up being, you know, and I would imagine it's going to be what, 100, I don't know, 40 maybe. That might even be aggressive. I don't know. But if you can add to that, you know, let's say 30, 40 homers to next season, okay? That's a bit ambitious, but, you know, it's it's possible, okay? That really could make a huge difference for this team. That really is the kind of thing that could change so many things with this team. And, and, you know, you wonder about that. Like, something as simple as that, even if everything else is the same, the pitching is the same, the bullpen is the same, even the defense, if you just added 30, 35, 40 extra homers next year, what that could mean in terms of wins and losses. I agree. I think it masks a lot of other things. And you can go two for 15. You can do as the Phillies didn't go 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position and still win the game because you hit three homers, each of them with a man on base. I would say the two biggest things they can do to get better next year, more homers and more walks. And they kind of go hand in hand at times. You get a guy on base, now you can drive him in and yourself. They have not been good. They're at the bottom of the league in walks drawn. We know they don't strike out either. A little more patience. That's why I do like what Cabert Ruiz is doing lately. He's drawing walks. He's been more selective. CJ Abrams, I think, has been better in that regard, too. You want to see more of this. But yeah, if you could, for example, say Dylan Cruz is now playing center field instead of Alex Call, and James Wood is playing left field instead of Blake Rutherford and Stone Garrett, and eventually Brady House is playing third base instead of Vildemaro Vargas, that's a big difference in theory if they are what they are supposed to be. And there will be some trials and tribulations and they're going to struggle at times. But it is very encouraging to see how all of those guys right now are hitting and hitting for power in the minors. James Wood hit another homer this night. Brady House has been doing really well. Robert Hassel has come around lately. He's hitting home runs finally after coming back from the handmade injury. And Dylan Cruz had a bases clearing double on uh, Thursday night. So There's a lot of good stuff there. It's hard to sit back and try to be patient and understand, like, just got to wait a little bit longer. If they all come up at some point next year and they all live up to what they're supposed to be, it's going to be a very different looking lineup. The 2019 World Series champion Nats hit 231 home runs in that regular season. Again, the Nats for this season have 104 homers. And I bring that up not to depress everyone, okay? But it just it shows you like what is possible. Like if you are really good, 200 plus homers is more than doable. The Atlanta Braves already this season have 200 plus home runs, 217. So it's like These things can be done. And if you have a lineup that is good enough, you can do something like that. And if you can do something like that, it's almost like the sky's the limit as a team because that really can transform you. So it's going to be so interesting. And you certainly hope that next year you've got guys up at the major league level for the Nats who are mashing. But uh, for now, that is not the case. So The Nats do lose three or four games at the Phillies. Next up is a series against the absolute doormat of Major League Baseball this season. This is going to be interesting in almost like a perverse way. So it's Nats versus the Oakland A's for three games at Nationals Park this weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon. You know, I think most people listening are aware that the A's in this 2023 season are not good, but it's important to understand just how bad this team is. A major league worst 33 and 82, a major league worst run differential of minus 276. 
The next worst run differential this season is that of the Colorado Rockies at minus 166. The A's run differential is 110 runs worse than the next worst run differential in the majors. Now, we know with the A's, there's a lot going on. They have like had this perpetual stadium problem. Looks like the A's are moving to Vegas. You've got an ownership situation. You have fans at games, you know, all two dozen of them chanting, sell the team, sell the team. So there are all kinds of things going on with the A's. But man, there is bad, and then there is historically bad. And the A's this season clearly fall into that latter category. Currently on pace for 46 wins, which is atrocious and among the worst ever. And they've actually gotten better. For most of the first half of the year, they were under 40. They were going to challenge the 62 Mets. They could still challenge that record of 40 wins in a full major league season, but they are playing slightly better at the moment. I feel for them. I feel for their fans. They're in an awful situation right now. This lame duck status, knowing that as much as they want to protest and want to try to chant sell the team, that in all likelihood, it's too late to change anything about that. And I'm sure if you're a longtime DC fan, you have some sympathy here. You know the heartache of losing your team, and you also know what it's like to get another city's team to come here. I've always tried to keep that in the back of my mind, that as exciting as it was for the Expos to come to DC, it was happening at the expense of the people of Montreal who lost their beloved team. And I've, I've always tried to remember that and respect that, and now we're seeing it, you know, the Expos to D.C. was the only relocation in Major League Baseball for 50 years. And now we're potentially about to have another one. So I can understand why that team is playing as awfully as it is. It's got to be difficult for them to be motivated as players. But if you're the Nationals and you are now facing them for three games, we don't say this often. You got to win two out of three at least, right? You just can't pass up these kind of opportunities. And I know at the end of the season, is it going to make a difference if the Nats won two of three or one of three against Oakland? It may be not. But just psychologically, I feel like they need to play good baseball. They need to show they are clearly a superior team to the worst team in the league. And this is going to be a special kind of series that, what is it? There's the college football account, the sickos who just get up for the worst possible college football matchups. This is a sickos kind of baseball weekend coming up in D.C., right? Uh, I think in a lot of ways it is. You are a hardcore fan if you are into this series. I mean, I think if this was a during-the-week series, the attendance figures would be really interesting. The fact that it's a weekend series probably will prevent any records of low attendance being set at Nationals Park. The three starting pitchers for the Nats in this series, Friday night, 7.05, Yoan Adon. Saturday night, 7.05, Jake Irvin. Sunday afternoon, 1.35, Trevor Williams. I feel like there's a... um like a poetry to this too, because one of the undeniable themes of this 2023 MLB season is how you have high payroll teams doing poorly and you have lower payroll teams doing really well. Like two of the top three teams in the American League are two low payroll teams in the Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. The Oakland A's sort of set the standard of being a low payroll team and doing really well, right? Moneyball, Billy Bean, early aughts, what those A's teams were doing. And now, of course, everyone is doing what those A's teams were doing. And so many other teams are doing what those A's teams were doing a lot better than those A's teams did what they did and certainly are doing that now. And so the A's have gone from being at like the vanguard. You know, the A's have gone from being like the leader of the revolution 
to now having been lapped by a lot of these teams, because now you have bigger budget teams doing what the A's were doing 20 years ago. So there's something to that. To say nothing of like years ago, you know, when the A's were rolling in the late 80s, early 90s with the Bass Brothers and Dennis Eckersley and Dave Stewart and Bob Welch and, you know, Tony La Russa at his peak, like those A's teams, right? Three consecutive American League pennants. Those A's teams were a lot of fun. The A's of the 1970s are famous for being good and also hating each other's guts. And the stories about those A's teams are legendary. So there is a lot of history with this franchise. It is sad to see it as down as it is. But of course, that's not the Nats' problem. So yeah, the Nats do need to win this series. And hopefully the Nats beat up on the A's. Add to the A's misery this weekend. We'll see. Yeah, you hope that from a Washington perspective. But no, I I agree with you. I mean, the Oakland A's have a lot of tradition, and I understand they go all the way back to Philadelphia and then Kansas City, but just in their time in Oakland, you have multiple generations of greatness in the 70s, in the 80s. We haven't even mentioned Ricky Henderson yet. You have the you know Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, Miguel Tejada teams that were so good. And even, I mean, it's only three, four years ago, I want to say, that they made the playoffs, and like we're still a pretty competitive team most years in spite of all their issues and the low payroll and all that. And so to see it just now completely collapse and to see where it's now likely headed to Vegas, I know we're not doing an Oakland A's podcast here, but I'm particularly saddened by this one. I don't don't like any relocations, but I'm particularly saddened by this one because I don't think that Vegas is a better option for them in the long run. I don't think that Las Vegas is going to be a great baseball market. It's not a large market. Are they suddenly going to become a big payroll team? Is John Fisher going to suddenly start spending $150, $200 million on payroll once he's in Vegas? I don't know that that's going to be the case. And I understand there are certain situations you just have to move a team. It's just not going to work wherever you are. I don't feel like this one's going to make the situation any better other than they're going to have a nice new shiny dome stadium in Vegas. Yeah, I don't know enough about the economics of the Oakland area to know whether that's you know at the heart of this issue or not. But we do know, obviously, there is a trend of teams moving to Vegas, right, with the Golden Knights being installed as a team in the NHL and the movement of the Raiders to Vegas. So we'll see. It's amazing how a team can fall like this, and um, we'll see what goes down here this weekend. But rough series for the Nats at the Phillies, but still overall, you know, the team has been doing better lately. Just uh, stumbled a bit here in this series at Philadelphia. We do want to send our best to Northwest DC Little League, which has advanced to the regional championship playing Pennsylvania on Friday, trying to make the way to the Little League World Series. So hopefully DC gets the job done there. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on our website as well, NatsChatPodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit TimNewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. This one's hit into the air in deep left field. Going back on it, Holland back to the warning track to the fence. It's out of here. A home run into the Ollie's cheap seats for James Wood, his 11th double-A home run of the year. And the Senators lead 5 to nothing here in the sixth. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.